that point where architecture and urbanism mix. And the city block is, for us, is, a, is that perfect balance between the two. Welcome to Tete a Tete, the Rice Architecture podcast series. I'm your host, Rose Wilkowski. This week, we welcome back Island Nosley to the Tete a Tete show as she speaks with the studio critics from the Rice Architecture Paris Spring 2019 semester. So let's tune in. Welcome to Rice Tete a Tete from Paris. I'm Island Nosley, and I'm so excited to be back on the podcast for a special feature about the Rice Architecture Paris program. The program was established in 2002 and is overseen by the Director of External Programs, Professor John Kasperian. This serves as our study abroad opportunity for upper-level undergrad and graduate students. Today, we're lucky to have two studio critics from this current spring semester on the show, Doug Allard and Levin DeBoek. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for inviting us. Thank you. Nice to be here. So you've both been at the office of uh, Xavier de Geiter Architects, located in Brussels, for quite some time now. And from my understanding, Xavier reached out to our dean, Sarah Whiting, who he knew from working at OMA, um, and was interested in extending a new branch of their professional practice into the academic realm. Of course, it made sense geographically to integrate this program into the Paris program. So we're currently in the second year of you two teaching the spring semester, along with Federico Pedrini, who couldn't be here today. So perhaps we can start off with you giving us a little bit more background on this new branch of XDGA, which is XDGR, and its goals pertaining to teaching. Um, I think um, since a few years, I uh, take the role of the director of communication, it's officially called in the office. And I try to not only look for communication which is outside of the office, so which is asked by uh, sometimes uh, to give lectures or uh, to take care of publications, but I also try to engage a kind of discourse in the office. I think the communication in an office is very important. And uh, we noticed that because of the office uh, getting bigger and bigger, that not everybody is always aware of everything which is happening in the office. And so in order to, um, in, in preparation of a new book and a new exhibition, we decided that different people would present different projects they worked on in the office to the other people in the office. Okay. Uh, we did that every Friday until there was a kind of group of works uh, presented that we also then used for the exhibition. Uh, it was very important to have this kind of communication in order to also define a little bit more what is specific in the office. At that time, I worked uh, with uh, an assistant from uh, Rice University, uh, Louis Weiss, and it is uh, by developing the exhibition, the book, uh, that we thought, okay, maybe it's also the moment to again introduce a research project uh, in XGA. Uh, the previous re- real research project uh, I introduced was in 2002, the Afterspro book, and um, I thought it was the moment or it's clear that when presenting the project that there is a moment where it should again, uh, where research could again um, introduce something uh, in the discourse of the office or should um, fertilize uh, the discourse. And so this is how uh, we thought of starting uh, XGR. 
it was an interesting period because Leaven had already been in the office a long time. I mean, he's really a founding member. And I started in the office just at the period when they were really beginning to build architecture, to build. And in some ways, it had been an office which is not really known for its buildings, but known for the quality of its projects. And a project is different than a building. I think they're two different things. So maybe more in terms of like competition well, projects? Well, no, yeah, it was competitions or it was unbuilt work. Okay. But I mean, again, if you look at, I mean, the office comes out from OMA. The, I mean, the canonical projects of OMA are often not built. I mean, right. they're projects. The library in, in Paris is not built, but right. that's a canonical project that people refer to. In the last 10 years, our office has been building more and more, but that also gives you less time to have the self-reflection of research because mm. it's still a valuable part. But I think it was also a mechanism, and Rice is the first part of that, as well, to sort of look outside the, you know, okay, we're an office and we're, own, we're building architecture, and that's great, but there's another side of architecture. Right. It's just on different levels. I yeah. think you're not just building. It's not just about... Uh, you can Architecture can be much more flexible, yeah. and it's not even just architecture. And I know that both of you currently are teaching at other universities as well, um, but why was it important to integrate a teaching element into XDGR? Well, we thought that uh, the, the discourse itself could, uh, is, is much more interesting when you have uh, what I call um, a mirror in front of you. So if you have to explain it to, uh, mm. to external people who do not know your context, um, uh, you often uh, try to explain it more easily, but at the same time it makes you develop your own thoughts about it. And so we thought we saw that as one aspect of the of the research. So we um, I think we all three of us would uh, like to have this um, research also happening in the office uh, much more as it is today. But the external partner or the external um, teaching is yeah is very important to to develop the language of the of the researcher. So if we move into this semester studio topic, uh, the topic is the void as an urban generator. And Doug, I know that you mentioned in your bio that you've been practicing as an urbanist and an architect for 25 years. Have your experiences had any influence on the team's development of this topic that focuses simultaneously on urbanism and architecture? And why did you all choose the topic of the void as a generator for these topics? Wow. Urban, I find it into our office, I mean, I'm not legally an urbanist. Okay. okay? But I think, uh, and I don't know if anybody in our office is, but I mean, I think we have a fascination of architecture at different scales. And I think it's also really important to know in, in XDJ, we're, and I think it's intrinsic quality, we're all independent architects. We work under the umbrella of XDGA. Sure. We all have a, and there's no real house style there. We don't do have a particular image of architecture. That's why we also teach here with three people. So I think it's... Um, Firstly, is I think we try not to see a distinction between urbanism and architecture. In the same way that we try not to see a distinction between research and building and design. Okay. Uh, ideally, these are all part of one uh, kind of application. And as we intensely were interested in looking at a scale which is somewhere in between architecture and urbanism. So we started looking at the city block. With the studios in Paris, and I think it would be a miss of us not to look as Paris is a, a generator of of that condition, that sort of space which sits somewhere between the two scales. 
It also comes on the basis that, uh, and particularly Levin, so maybe I should direct the question to him, that the office created a body of work, a research book, uh, a topic of after-sprawl, which investigated uh, the void, the open space, the unbuilt space, but in the non-urban condition. And so it was extremely interesting, particularly we're sitting in Paris, to then take this, to investigate that same topic, but investigate in an urban situation. Mm. And I think it's uh, because we don't, I think we don't have a house style, which is a benefit, I think, sometimes in our office. It allows us to look, I think, things like, things like urbanism and different scales of architecture rather than completely worry about how it looks or what it's made of. Mm. Um, and sometimes things that these are decisions which I think are on a larger scale. So that was the genesis of why we wanted to look at a project. Paris. I mean, it's, we're sitting now having this interview in a room in Paris and we have 10 students in Paris and it would, that must mean something then different than if we were doing this in Berlin or mm. Tokyo. Yeah. And, you know, I think it's very important. It's a beautifully urban city. I mean, people want to live here. Uh, people want to come here. Tourists come here. There's a reason for that. It's not because the sky's a different colour than it is in Tokyo. It's about something else. So I think... It's a fascination for us as well, the, the kind of density of Paris and the scale of Paris. So um, that's the, the reason why we chose Paris is because we're here and we find it a fascinating city. Um, the reason we chose this intermediate scale is because I think it's there's a fascinating, uh, that point where architecture and urbanism mix. And the city block is, uh, for us, is, a, is that perfect balance between the two. It's a, it's a very complicated, you know yourself. Yeah. It's not an easy topic, but it's a fascinating one. And it also sits in that point between uh, the individual and the collective. Right. Because buildings are in a city and they have a different dialogue with public space than they do if you're just talking about an individual building. Yeah, um, and I think this is uh, an interesting way to conduct an architecture studio because I think typically we work uh, one scale per semester. Um, and so having to work in a group level, in a pair level, at an individual level, and constantly going back and forth has been challenging, but I think has been a good learning experience thus far. I think we also insisted in, uh, in, uh, uh, in this approach for this year because we learned of last year's approach that uh, if everybody just makes one super building on a, on a plot, that uh, this aspect of negotiation between uh, the different uh, students um, is lacking. And could you maybe expand a little bit on the, the different approach between last spring semester studio and this spring semester studio? Well, I think uh, that exactly uh, in last uh, spring, um, everybody had to work on the total plot, uh, decided the program, which, uh, which was maybe uh, more political and social engaged than this year. Um, but they they had an idea about their void in relation to their building, but they had no, there was no discourse between uh, the different uh, students about an approach about the void, approach about the void in between mm. uh, the different plots, mm -hmm. and uh, how to uh, construct something together which has a certain quality. Yeah, and um, that's I think extremely interesting because also in the profession of architecture we are more and more. Uh, Limited is not the right word, but uh, the, the rules of urbanism 
are sometimes not understandable yeah. if you start a competition or if you start a project and now by developing this uh, in group you see how uh, which parameters are important and which parameters are mm. not important mm. yeah. and I think that's also for me personally uh, I think for us a, a learning process mm -hmm. uh, uh, which is something we never did before I mean we I mean, I never worked in the office, although in the office there are projects like that where urban rules are set out. Uh, but I think that the people who do that in the office could learn a lot about, mm. uh, about this studio. Mm. I mean, I, I think it's a, <coughs> it's a truism that, I mean, the difference I think you could argue between architecture and art, it's not always the case, but architecture is a response to a question. Mm -hmm. There's always a question in architecture. It's a question that the city gives you, or it's a question that your client tells you it's going to be this big or this small, or, or is there a question uh, that the fire engineer tells you your building has to be made of concrete. I think, to an extent, what we also find interesting is, is that how does that question change the architecture? Mm -hmm. How does the methodology, um, which is set, and we set the methodology, how does that, that the quality or the type of that question change the answer mm. so that's why we decided in the second year that we would keep the same plot as last year but we, and effectively we're asking the collectively to build the same amount of square meters on the same plot and the program is free so i mean effectively that's always been a, a constant but we're getting a very very different answer because of the type of the, we framed the question differently and yeah. i think that's interesting because I think that mm. should be interesting for architects because we only respond to the quality of the question that's asked. Right. If the ambitions are lower, it's the wrong question. I think you often get the wrong answers. Yeah. So do you think you'll, uh, you all have one more semester after this, right? Do you think you'll change the methodology and approach once again? Definitely. Or? Sure. Definitely. Yeah. I mean, whether we'll change, we haven't actually decided whether we'll change the site. I mean, I, in some ways I hope not, but maybe we just become tired of, or maybe we think we've explored it. but. I think this, I've really, I mean, I think this, this semester personally is harder for the students, yeah. I would, in my view, which is odd because in a way we're asking you to do less square metres. Each student this year is doing one-tenth of the square metres of the students before. And normally students would gauge the complexity of a project by how big it is. But then say, there's so much negotiation between each other. That... So the process is much more complex. In, in many ways, I think it's more rewarding, mm. but I, I completely see it's more difficult. And you have to work in different scales. Yeah. You have to look indeed at the sort of collective response to the city as well as the individual response. And that's yeah. complicated, but that's how architecture is. Yeah, I think what for us is also interesting is exactly to define this, uh, this uh, commission. Because, I mean, we had a lot of discussion about uh, originally the, the sites would be three sites, uh, mm. one next to the other. Mm -hmm. And then there was the idea of to go to the periphery. Then, I mean, we had many, many ideas uh, around what we could do. But um, I think this is really kind of getting in a consistency, which I think is, which I personally find it extremely interesting. Yeah. I have no idea what the next will be, but uh, I think it will come out of the same kind of logic. And what's the kind of ultimate goal when you all are done with these three semesters? Like, are you going to compile the students' work um, in a book or are you going to exhibit it? Or how, how will this kind of materialize afterwards um, and then continue to benefit the firm? It's a good question. 
I hope it will develop something else. Um, the three years themselves, we'll see. I mean, it, indeed, it would be nice to make to use that information in some way. I don't know if that's a book, I don't know if it's a publication, I don't know how we could bring it further into the mm. dialogue yeah. with the work of our practice. And that would be the ambition. In some ways that it doesn't become a standalone thing, but somehow as it informs or mm -hmm. feeds back into a practice or, or vice versa. So the three of you jointly established the XDGR and so the three of you come kind of in turn and teach here. We meet with you all, but you all also meet with us and you see uh, kind of wildly different projects and proposals. Um, so does that ever inspire your work or influence your work or kind of influence the way you think about things in your practice um, or otherwise? Uh, well, I don't think there is, I personally, for me, I don't think there is a direct link, but um, I mean, it makes me think about the possibilities of Freud for, as, a, as a design tool. Yeah. And um, uh, I think, in a way, also uh, last year, also this year, I think every project is interesting for me for another reason. Mm. It's not that there is a... A right or wrong. No, and it's also not that... Um, Sometimes uh, uh, even the reason why it's interesting is not related immediately to the idea of the void, but maybe to another reason. Mm. Um, and so, f yeah, I, I like, what I really like about it is that uh, it's, uh, for me, the, the research part of it is, is quite uh, elaborated at the end, uh, much more than what I thought would be possible in, oh. a, in a studio. Well, yeah, that's good to hear. Because... Um, the um, I think that uh, there is a lot of uh, and that's maybe something very positive but uh, <laughs> I think there is a lot of energy in uh, right students there is an openness and they, they yeah there's a kind of development of ideas which for different reasons different situations uh, are interesting for me to mm. to think with you on it mm. yeah. there's a degree of liberation I mean as yeah. a student and I think that often they should have. I mean, they have a liberation from. There's not a house style. Yeah. Mm. Right. Um, and inevitably, to an extent, there will be a. You could imagine in, in offices, although I think our uh, XDJ is not one of the. Is a good example of not being too much like that, but there can be a house style, or it can be a certain way of doing things, mm. or a certain way it should look. And that doesn't normally exist within students. Mm. I mean, you, you've had a certain education, you way of, a way of approaching architecture, but it's, you're not necessarily told how it has to be. Sure. And therefore, if you work and you ask those questions to students, then you'll very often come up with very different answers mm. than if you're in an office. Um, they may be restricted by the, the, what's previously been done in office, for example. There's a, a sort of canon of work behind that that can always be a reference, or this is what we like, or this is what we think we like. Mm -hmm. And I think to an extent, I, mean, I don't know what you, got, you students like. Yeah. I mean, I'm interested, but I'm not, I don't think that's good or that's bad, and it can be very varied. Yeah. Um, so I think that is the freedom that in some ways, I think when you look at research outside the office is sometimes useful to feed back into the office. Mm -hmm. It's exactly why uh, AMO and OMA, I mean, everybody thinks it's a different office. Mm -hmm. It's the same office. Mm -hmm. I was at AMO. I, I mean, my paycheck came from AMO. 
But I didn't sort of walk into one space with a different coloured carpet and say, oh, now I'm doing research. Sure. And then when I wanted to draw a drawing that's a plan, I'll walk into the other floor <laughs> and with a blue carpet and I'll do building. It's, <laughs> Something it's a, that's it's integral a, to one it's another. Just an, it was an artificial mechanism just to say, that's what, we're going to do this, guys. Sure. I think he did it intensely. He just gave it another name so they could say, okay, let's do a film. Let's you know, work with Nokia. Mm. Let's work with Prada. Let's do work for the Hermitage, which is not architecture. Mm. And it, that just gave, it, was a, it was a mechanism that allowed uh, AMO uh, to do things which in theory OMA would not be asked to do. And I think that's to an extent, I mean, we have this name XDJR, but I mean, it doesn't really exist. It exists in the fact that it allows us to try and think in different ways. I see. But I mean, we don't sit in a separate room. <laughs> <laughs> Damn, we should get that room. <laughs> we should write that down on the list. Separate room, different coloured carpet. <laughs> So I guess lastly, speaking of um, things that we like, um, oftentimes we're asked to come to you all or other professors with precedents, um, things that we like for practical functional reasons or things that we like just because they're aesthetically pleasing. So just wanted to ask you all um, what you like and what you're inspired by. It can be in architecture, art, or something totally unrelated but something that gets you going? Uh, one thing I find, f the benefits of the teaching, uh, I studied in a sort of school of architecture was highly based on modernism. You know, so the teaching program and the references that we looked at was modernism, which is fantastic. And I've tended to work in offices where a lot of the references in architecture are modernism. And it's only through teaching in the last few years that I've actually discovered a, this amazing period of architecture that was coexistent, just happened just before modernism and carried on. Uh, obviously, a lot of it in France and Paris, of these architects that were just exploring the the borderline between what was seen as kind of arts and crafts of Art Nouveau and mm -hmm. Art Deco and modernism. And it's a very nuanced work, and it's amazing. I never, and as a student, I never looked at it because I thought it was like old fashioned yeah. and uninteresting, <laughs> and it's made of stone, and it. it's got windows. And I don't like it. Yeah. And I want to look at this new stuff. And so, yeah, it's not that I'm going home every day looking at architecture books. But I mean, in a way, I, I, I still think, I mean, very basic, through the, the teaching, through teaching with other people, such as Levin and Federico and other staff and other schools of architecture, I'm, it's opened my eyes to something else that I didn't know. Hmm. And I find, it, I find these projects hugely appealing and interesting and, yeah, it's things that I never considered before. And, much of the discussions of tectonics that we're having in the studio yeah, now sure. has come from that. So um, there's many other things I think beautiful. <laughs> I think when things are beautiful and interesting, it's doubly appealing. Yeah. I mean, I think beauty exists. I think it's beautiful and interesting. And then you've really cracked it. it. So, yeah. Um, yeah. I personally believe it's extremely important for a student to define what he or she finds beautiful. Yeah. Uh, I think it's uh, it's important because um, it uh, allows to to have a passion and to develop a passion in something. Sure. And um, if you don't want to be uh, disappointed by architecture, uh, I think <laughs> passion is very important to to take it with you, and not only uh, all the practical and rational things which uh, which uh, and think. Besides that, um, what for me is important or inspiring is maybe a little bit also what uh, Doug just said, is that you just look around all the time. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's uh, 
especially in my case, not so much related to architecture, but I like to discover the whole time new things. And uh, I think taste or what I find beautiful is changing mm. in my lifetime. It's not, I mean, there are things which stay, but there are also things which, uh, which you discover and which you before find ugly or not interesting, which become interesting or beautiful afterwards. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, but I think it's um, it's important that this is in evolution. I think from the moment it's not in evolution, then you have this idea of house style and you have a... I, I believe from the moment you get a style in architecture, it's not interesting anymore. Mm. Oh. It's, no, it's not... Uh, so you um, think it's maybe more productive to have a constantly evolving sense? Yeah, I believe so. Because be, also... To be fascinated constantly. Constantly. Yeah. And not get stuck in kind of a niche. Yes, because I think that's uh, important for yourself as a person. Mm-hmm. But I think it's also important for... Uh, I mean, society is also changing all the time. Mm. I mean, I, architecture is also changing all the time. It's not... We don't buy build pyramids anymore for yeah. our king or whatever. <laughs> but uh, I think... So it's important that... Um, I mean, it's not that you have to, uh, I mean, our lifetime is uh, relative short in mm-hmm. relation to architecture, but I believe that this kind of um, looking around and always searching is uh, the way to, to, to be yeah, passionate in architecture. Great. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you so much for speaking with me today. I really enjoyed our conversation in a different context other than a well, studio yeah. pinup. Great. So. I mean, yeah, yeah I we learned so much about that conversation. Yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> me, me too. Yeah. For more information on the Rice Architecture Paris program and the current studio critics, visit the Rice Architecture website. Don't forget to subscribe to our page on SoundCloud to keep up with new releases. I'm your host, Rose Wolkowski, and this has been Tete a Tete.